Welcome to Plant Stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Fun fact, you guys. There was a riot. An eggnog riot. The eggnog riot of 1826. That's a fun Christmas fact. And that brings us into today's episode, Eggnog. Welcome to season five, everyone. We've made it this far. Claps for us. Clap, 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 clap. So, just to give you an idea of how alcohol is going to work for us, for these special episodes, we're going to focus on a specific type of alcohol that has a history going forward. We're eventually going to talk more in depth about some of the alcohol and the plants that it comes from in future episodes but to kind of like you know remain in the holiday spirit and focus on kind of these next few ones we're gonna focus specifically on eggnog this episode and champagne next episode and there's a lot a lot to know about eggnog i myself have tried to make eggnog and failed Um, But it's fine. It was okay. Well, you did better than me. Because I made every other beverage, basically, besides eggnog today. (laughs) But I'll make it next week. I'll let you know how it went. Yeah, definitely. It is... um, Actually, again, the taste isn't bad. But I made a mistake somewhere. Irrelevant. It's hard to work with. Yeah, it's... (laughs) This this drink is both easy and hard to make. So just know that going into this. Uh, eggnog specifically, if we're talking about it as a drink, is a drink that typically contains dairy products. So milk or some kind of milk-like base. And eggs. You know, eggnog. And it's oftentimes mixed with an alcoholic beverage, such as brandy or rum. Mine I mix with brandy because apparently I'm European. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do the rum. Yeah. Also, I'm not going to lie to you. The brandy was cheaper. I know. It is. See? It, I... yeah. it was cheaper. Uh, so while eggnog's exact origins are often disputed, eggnog as we know it today is considered primarily an American drink. That probably became more prevalent as like a winter holiday drink after Americans hopped the pond. Keep you know great. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the true origin of the etymology of the word eggnog is also disputed. So there are some stories that believe it may have been an old English word for strong beer that carried over from England. Oh, because of the word grog. Well, Hmm. so there's a train of thought that believes that since American colonists specifically used to refer to thick drinks as grogs, eggnog may come from basically what was eggs- and grogs that some at some point just got shortened to eggnog 
And there's also another idea that the word nog comes from the word noggin, which is not your head, I found out. It is a small cup that's first use was recorded in the 1500s. So. Hmm. So that's probably the origin for how we use noggin. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I didn't look that part up, but yeah. There was a cup that was called a noggin. So maybe, I don't know, you put your egg beverage in the nog and then it was an eggnog. So, so th- do we know when like, we actually started using the word eggnog? Merriam-Webster puts the origin of this word around 1775. Oh, way more recent. Yeah, which would imply that it probably is an American word. And maybe it had some English origins, but... It probably, the the actual word eggnog probably is an American term. And, you know, another reason that it may be associated with with the colder months is because originally the drink was served warm. I actually prefer it warm, I think, but I will also drink it cold. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, a a latte of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also why, you know, alcohol was probably added because alcohol warms you up. Mm-hmm. So it, but, you know, we know all this. We know that, you know, it's primarily an American drink, but the idea of adding eggs to your beverage came from a drink in England, uh, dairy type beverages you know dairy mixed with alcohol kind of thing uh were drunk as early as the 13th century in england and the most well-known of these drinks was called posset which was a warm ale punch with eggs and figs so it was usually used as a remedy for minor ailments like colds or flu symptoms by monks at that time and it was non-alcoholic and also hot. I love that. Anytime I've looked into the history of alcohol, it's pretty much always associated with like monks or nuns. Like that's who was distilling things. <laughs> right. Oh dear. You would th- I mean, I guess maybe it's something you needed to devote your life to to do well. I don't know. Well, it's it's kind of like a make the most out of everything you got situation. <laughs> yeah. When you're like distilling stuff, but then also, um, like you said, like they were using it for remedies. Like, you know, if you are sick, it's way better to have a drink. As this drink kind of gained popularity among just the general population, the upper class tended to add sherry or brandy instead of the much cheaper beer or ale. And this, you know, elevated the drink. It married up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a much wider uh, flavor profile if you got sherry and brandy. Yeah. And then just to add like another kind of dabble of sophistication was the addition of you know, foreign spices. And so by the 17th century, it was something most often drunk by the upper class. And sherry was kind of the go-to for the beverage. 
being that milk, eggs, and sherry were really only in such abundant supply that you could drink them uh, for people who had money. It was kind of like considered a party drink. It was like a way to like show off. Like, oh, look, I just have such an abundance of money that I can buy (laughs) so many eggs and we're going to literally drink them instead of eat them for protein. That's what we're doing right now. And sherry and milk and foreign spices. Ah, wealthy. (laughs) Yeah. And the drink was fondly used as a toast to health and prosperity. So... You know, it, like, reminds me of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Like, (laughs) I'm going to drink six eggs in the morning. You're like, I'm going to drink six eggs with brandy. What? Yeah, Gaston would have an eggnog punch at his party. Yeah. That sounds sounds accurate. Mm Mm-hmm. And, (laughs) you know, tavern culture, which began in Europe and did also, you know, come to America, was pretty big for eggnog. So it was relatively cheap to make once they came to America because you didn't necessarily have to import eggs. Uh, Right. (laughs) And the addition of cinnamon and nutmeg, which were premium ingredients, but you only had to use a very small amount for Mm -hmm. eggnog, made it something that could essentially be like marked up as a sophisticated drink and give them a higher profit during those colder winter months. And that's also when, you know, when the drink traveled to America, that rum began to be the most commonly used beverage or thing to spike eggnog because rum was not heavily taxed in the way that other dark liquors were. And there was more of it because of their proximity to Barbados and other islands that produced the ingredients for it. So even though rum was the primary contender, really any liquor was fair game. So there were some areas in you know, the South and Southern colonies where people preferred whiskey instead. Some people continued to use some of these more expensive things. And so this leads me to the eggnog riot of 1826 is this like a boston tea party situation it is not it is much more superfluous than that great (laughs) there was an occurrence on the on december 24th the 25th of 1826 at the West Point Military Academy where eggnog became the catalyst for a giant drunk crazy party. Yes. And so the Academy had this really strict policy against alcohol on the campus. But naturally, the students um, cared about this policy like 0%. Did not care. Even though you could technically be expelled or suspended or get in trouble for knowingly having alcohol, eh, nobody cared. And so the superintendent of the school intended for the eggnog to be alcohol-free that year. 
like, oh, well, you know, it was originally a long, long time ago, you know, back in England. It was made without alcohol. We could make it without alcohol. And naturally, the student's response to that was to go buy two gallons of whiskey and a gallon of rum to add to the eggnog that would be provided to them. Wow, they must have made a lot of eggnog. I know, right? That's <laughs> three gallons. This was, in fact, a large party. And so, you know, they added all this alcohol. They began their party. Uh, by 4 a.m. on Christmas morning, like, the party was still popping. And nice. popping enough, like, so loud and strong that senior ranking officials came to, like, check out what was going on investigate the area and you know they found chaos lots of drunkenness you know broken furniture just stuff everywhere and so they read the riot act to these men they're like this party's getting out of hand you know you guys need to you know chill out like blah 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 and they completely ignored their superiors being as drunk as they were, even knocking some of them out for trying to stop the party. And this also instigated them to do even more damage. So they were shooting pistols, tearing the banisters off staircases, breaking windows. And a party that had kind of started in the northern area of the campus at that point spread to the entire campus and so predictably the next afternoon I imagine when these people awoke from their drunken stupor in a terrible case of hangovers uh, it was a bleak affair because there was a lot of destruction stuff strewn everywhere all pretty much all of the cadets who'd been drinking were in a really bad state in the end 10 students were expelled and many more pretty much everyone was confined to their quarters for the rest of the semester including jefferson davis who later became the confederate states president whatever you want to believe about that but it's true he was there isn't this military academy in new york i believe i guess he can move he could move (laughs) i mean we don't need yeah i was gonna say we don't need to get into the the politics of it but you know so Eggnog was caused by eggnog. Yeah, eggnog (laughs) was clearly a popular party beverage. I guess because it's kind of food too. Like it can really keep you going. (laughs) It is. It is quite thick. And so, in more recent times, I mean, eggnog pretty much remained popular straight up to prohibition. And. Even during Prohibition, like, there were a couple articles and stuff that said things like, eggnog is now the, like, forbidden fruit. (laughs) So silly. Right? Which is so funny. And, uh, you know, 
it, it remained in the consciousness throughout Prohibition and after. Many popular figures have had their own eggnog recipes, such as George Washington and Dwight Eisenhower, which I now realize I'm pretty sure were both presidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we actually have their recipes here as well. Nice. Are so, they very different? I want to say somewhat different. Um, Eisenhower is one dozen egg yolks, one pound of granulated sugar, one quart of bourbon. Uh, part of this may also be either rum or brandy. One quart of coffee cream and one quart of whipping cream. And then you add uh, spices and Washington's was one quart cream, one quart milk, one dozen tablespoons of sugar. What an odd (laughs) measurement. One pint of brandy, half a pint of rye whiskey, half a pint of Jamaica rum, and a fourth a pint of sherry. So he really just wanted to like load up on the alcohol, which I guess, you know, sign of the times. Mix liquor first, then separate the yolks and whites of eggs. Add sugar to beaten yolks. Mix well. Add milk and cream, slowly beating. Beat whites of eggs until stiff and fold slowly into mixture. Let it set in a cool place for several days. Taste frequently. Does that mean you taste it frequently while you set it in place? Before that. Yeah, I believe... uh... It, it has a reputation of being better over time. So you would leave it out to sit. You know, you just taste it once a day. Just sip it. Yeah, you know, you get a little, you get one of those spoons they use for our, your dozen things of sugar. <laughs> yeah, basically. Those are some things. And then, you know, in the 1940s, basically... That's when you start to kind of see, although sparingly, non-alcoholic eggnog in stores, and then non-alcoholic eggnog really starts being mass so mass sold, mass produced in the 1960s. So that's quite a long break before it becomes really commercialized. Yeah, it definitely took a little while for it to get to the point where, you know, people wanted it, whether it had alcohol in it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also a hard thing to make to be, like, shelf-stable because it's eggs and milk, especially if there's no alcohol in there. Like, it's only going to last so long. Yeah, that's true. So, some of the plants that make up eggnog are the sugarcane or rum, nutmeg, and cinnamon. So, nutmeg is a spice that comes from the seeds of a tropical evergreen tree, primarily native to the spice islands of Indonesia. And um, when we eventually talk about nutmeg, which I plan that we will, Um, We'll go a little bit deeper into all the horrible things the Dutch did to the Indonesians. Mm. But just to give you a general idea, 
knowledge of the spice goes back thousands of years. Romans used it as an incense. And, you know, it wasn't until the 1600s that the Dutch came along and monopolized the plant for its use because it was popular among the wealthy. And kind of similarly, use of cinnamon has also gone on for thousands of years. But it also became a victim of colonization. And it was first regulated by the Portuguese and then the Dutch. The Dutch? Mm -hmm. Well, they're not even a part of the eggnog history, and yet their spices are so important. Well, I mean, it's not their spices, really, but yeah. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Um, Cinnamon was used in the embalming process of the Egyptians, actually, which kind of makes sense. It's a pretty strong scent. Yeah. And it has primarily Middle East, East Asian origins. So then we also have rum. And like I said, we're going to do a whole episode on rum. We're going to dive deep. But rum comes from sugarcane, which is believed to have been originally cultivated in New Guinea as early as 6000 BC. So, wow. Even though uh, there's more like concrete evidence of it kind of later on, but. Yeah, it's been around for a really, really long time. And the plant itself is super easy to grow, which is kind of why it became the world's, like, source of sweetness. Is It's like bamboo, which I don't know if you've ever had bamboo anywhere near you in life, but it just grows like a freaking weed. Like, the only way you can kill it is to, like, put it in some rocks on top of your mantelpiece and never water it like I did, but... Outside in the ground, it's very hardy. It will move, travel. It doesn't care so much about being like, I mean, it does care somewhat about being frozen, but it easily cut, you know, regrows or comes back. It multiplies really quickly. Um, and so sugarcane is not quite like bamboo, but it's similar in a lot of ways. How have we not talked about bamboo in all these seasons? Well, because I hate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I worked my landscaping job, we, uh, which I did when I was in college, uh, and I did, I worked for the university. One of the houses or one of the properties that the university owned that we had to do had what we called the bamboo forest. And I mean, rumor has it, I don't really know this for sure, but somebody eventually like had like a bamboo plant in their office or something you know which is pretty common for like professors and dumped it into the backyard and the entire backyard of that property was bamboo i mean like super tall like tree level tall bamboo and you we had to constantly be on top of it To keep it from spreading constantly. I'm talking like I was there like every three days. Like little tiny sprouts everywhere. You had to keep it from getting in the neighbor's yards. Like it was insanity. (laughs) Uh, So yeah. Bamboo and sugarcane are relatively similar. But you know that's also probably why it was able to spread 
to some other places as well. You know, the Chinese did have their own version of sugarcane also. So it's very likely that, you know, sugarcane kind of moved from this island to some other places. And basically, when sugarcane is processed, the juice is filtered, purified, and then heated to crystallize the sugar. And what you have left over then is molasses. And molasses is actually what's used to make rum. So you add water and yeast to the molasses. That goes, you know, through a process that creates this alcohol. And so taxes on molasses, which desperate colonists were using to make rum, they would actually just import the molasses themselves and then make the rum here making it even less expensive uh it's one of the reasons that there was a lot of frustration leading up to the american revolution so uh eventually england started taxing on the colonies any imports from french-owned islands which included at the time uh you know barbados and like some of the west indies and so that became a big problem. And even in these early days, you know, with the colonists there, at one point, 80% of these New England colonies' exports were rum, which is crazy. Like, you That's come a to lot the- of molasses being <laughs> shipped up here. <laughs> exactly. So it was a big deal. And so that's just like a little mini summary of rum, because rum has got a crazy history, but... Mm-hmm. That's the beginning. And so, you know, Krista, you used to be a bartender. And honestly, like, you're still my bartender. If we could see each other. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, perhaps so. my eggnog will turn out a little differently. I hope so. Like, let's go over <laughs> to the bar and we'll talk about some bartender tips. All right, folks. When it comes to the eggnog at the you know, that you can find at your regular grocery store. You're gonna find ones that are for drinking and ones that are for mixing. So the mixing ones are gonna be really sweet, uh, which makes it way easier to just throw in some liquor and boom, it's well balanced. Um, It's also gonna be thicker, uh, so that helps. Um, And then the ones that are more for drinking are gonna be, you know, a bit more liquid. It's kind of more like milk. There's usually a lot less egg going on. Um, And that's usually meant to be like your non-alcoholic version. That's just like, you know, I would recommend getting some cinnamon and nutmeg, like get the whole nutmeg and get one of those nice graters and just grate a little nutmeg on top. It is a game changer. (laughs) So that's my bartending tip for eggnog. Hooray! (laughs) all right well i think does that wrap up our first episode of season five it does but i'm gonna even call i mean it technically is season five but i'm also just gonna call this like the holiday special yeah this is Um, our holiday special and it turns out eggnog (laughs) has nothing to do with yule except that for some reason people are constantly um calling it a yuletide drink so Maybe there's, like, some song that gave it that reputation. Maybe, but I'm just letting you know that... I said that last time, I'm like, I think it is, Mm -hmm. and then I... 
It turns out I was very wrong. This is super American, technically has no ties to Christmas unless you want to count a crazy riot from some military boys. <laughs> Which you, you totally can. You totally can. <laughs> um, it is just a warm winter drink that everyone should enjoy at this time of year because honestly, like I'm drinking it now. It's not even good, but it still warms my soul. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's here for. So yes, I actually have one more tip to recommend. Uh, if you're lactose intolerant or just don't want to use dairy, um, you can also use coconut milk that pretty soon. <laughs> That's actually a drink called a coquito. It's very good. <laughs> We'll see you everybody next time. Thanks for coming over to the bar with us. And uh, we're going to talk about champagne for the new year. What? what? See y'all next week. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.